Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to Pirates Talk. After rousing victories over then seventh-ranked Texas and in-state rival Rutgers, Seton Hall stood at 9-1 on the season and moving up in the national rankings. Then, a COVID shutdown. As the Hall had its game last Saturday against Iona canceled, followed by a forfeit to St. John's in what was supposed to be the Pirates' Big East opener on Monday night, because Seton Hall didn't have the required minimum number of seven scholarship players available due to COVID issues. But with the Pirates able to declare enough players available for their upcoming Thursday matchup against DePaul, the team picked up a forfeit victory over the Blue Deacons because DePaul has its own COVID problems and would not have been able to suit up the minimum number of seven scholarship players. Whew! The forfeits count in the standings and for seeding in the Big East tournament, but will not impact Seton Hall's net ranking, nor will it have an effect when it comes to NCAA tournament consideration. So Seton Hall is 1-1 in the Big East without having played a game. What a world we inhabit. Let's hope we can all navigate through these waters. Despite all that, Seton Hall actually moved up one spot in the Associated Press rankings to 15th and is the highest-ranked team in the Big East. In February of 2020, Former Seton Hall men's basketball coach P.J. Carlissimo was my guest. Taking over a program that had few amenities, no full-time assistants, and which had to share Walsh Gymnasium with the women's basketball team, the Seton Hall prep basketball team, and with assorted other events and activities, Carlissimo had his work cut out for him. And it wasn't easy. Seton Hall went a combined 3-29 and in the Big East in P.J.'s first two years at the helm. But then, an inflection point. Playing for Columbia High School in Maplewood, literally a neighboring community to Seton Hall, Mark Bryant led the Cougars to a sectional Group 4 championship in his senior year, when the 6'9 power forward was named first team All-State. He decided to stay home, and as PJ told me, that made all the difference in the world. I don't want to demean the players we had early. We had Andre McLeod. We had some really good players early, but we didn't have enough of them. But the, what turned it around for us was when Mark Bryan decided to come to, to Seton Hall because we got then the elite player in the state of New Jersey. Uh, and when he, Mark could have gone you know, virtually anywhere in the country, when he made a decision to stay home and to play at Seton Hall, that, more than any other thing that ever happened to us, turned the program around. It took some time for the impact to be felt on the court, but by his senior year, Bryant and his Pirates teammates secured Seton Hall's first ever NCAA tournament bid. The following season, after Bryant's graduation, the Hall went to the NCAA championship game, losing famously to Michigan. Bryant was a first-round pick in the 1988 NBA draft, played for 15 years in the league, and has been an assistant coach in the NBA for the past 18 seasons. He is currently an assistant with the Phoenix Suns, and it is from the Valley of the Sun that Mark Bryant joins me on Pirates Talk to discuss his decision to attend the Hall, his Seton Hall memories, life in the NBA, and yes, that foul call in Seattle in 1989 that cost Seton Hall a title and still rankles to this day. Mark Bryant, thank you so very much for giving me some of your time. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. How are things with you? I can't complain at all, man. I can't complain at all. Well, as we record this interview, the Phoenix Suns, if we're going to talk about professional, we'll get to some personal things later, but they're tied for the best record 
in the NBA at 23-5. and five. You come off a season in which you went to the NBA championship but fell to the Milwaukee Bucks. So yeah, I guess on the court, everything is going well. Is, is this start just an extension of what the Suns were able to do last year? Well, I think um, we're, in a, we're in a pretty good rhythm right now. Uh, we're, playing, we're, we're playing well. We're moving the ball well defensively. We're, we're doing a solid, solid job. Uh, I feel that our team knows each other well. You know what I mean? They know each other well. They know what each other's going to do. They know they know their strengths. They know their weaknesses, and I think that that helps out a great deal. And uh, and they, and they play for each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They play for each other. So that's that's one huge huge thing for us. And everybody loves being with each other and loves being around each other. And I think uh, that has helped us get thus far with a, with a record uh, like we had right now. What did going to the finals do for the team? Uh, going to the finals is like, hey, you know, yeah, we went there. We didn't, we didn't get what we wanted to get. So this year, you know, that, that little summertime that we had, they're working on things to get back to the finals. I think that's what this team is trying to do. You know, slowly get better and better. And by the time the end of the season comes, we'll be ready to go full force. What were some of those things? I think uh, I think getting better with our uh, one thing that, that I think that hurt us uh, last year in the finals, like uh, boxing out, rebounding the ball. You know what I'm saying? So I think we we're, we're trying to get better in that. Really, really focus on like every game we go in. Hey, we got to do a good job of boxing out because that really hurt us uh, in the Milwaukee series. Uh, offensively, we're still trying to. To move the ball around, we call it point .5. Point .5 passing, moving, whatever, whatever it may be, you can't hold on to the ball too long. we got to keep it moving. I think those are the things that we're trying to concentrate on right now. And uh, we're doing a pretty good do- job with that. Sometimes we might get stagnant, you know, but uh, we're trying to get better and better as each game goes along. Well, so far, so good out of the gate. 23 wins in 28 tries. So this show is not called Suns Talk or NBA Talk. It's called Pirates Talk. So we'll, right. move, we'll, we'll move from what you're doing now uh, and, and reminisce a little bit and talk about your days with Seton Hall. But first off, do you follow them still from afar? It's, it's, it's hard for me to, to follow them. So like, like in the Big East tournament, in the NCAAs, that's when I like – I really, you know, lock in. I think coach is doing a very good job over there. I think those guys are playing well. Uh, they had a big, uh, big win the other uh, day. Was that what? Uh, let's say was it Texas? They beat Texas, and then they beat yeah. Rutgers a couple of days yes. later. Yes, yes. So they they are playing well, and I'm still talking crazy over there. Seeing all Pirates, I'm still talking crazy to the guys. <laughs> you know, when we have big wins, just like Villanova lost the other day, they got crushed by Baylor. You know what I'm saying? So, Mikael Bridges, you know, I let him know that. You know, see the so. <laughs> well, maybe there'll be a little something-something on the line January 1st when those two teams meet. Uh, uh, that 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 pride for the school oh, that you played for oh, is always there. Oh, oh definitely we're going to be going at it on uh, January 1st. We'll <laughs> definitely be going at it. And I can appreciate it. You know, it was not a setup question. I mean, I can appreciate the amount of time. Working in professional sports, working – in the National Hockey League, I get a glimpse of how much work coaches put in 
and the travel and the amount of games. And it's hard, man. Like, there's a lot of time and a lot of effort. Players come in hours after you guys show up, and they leave hours before you guys wrap things up. Exactly. It's almost like it's almost like a nonstop job. You really have to love this job. You know what I mean? You really have to love basketball. You really have to love all the ins and outs about watching film, breaking down films on different teams, breaking down the, the film on your own team. You know, it's a it's a joy to do, but there's not a whole bunch of time you have for yourself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It 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 is a grind. It's a worthwhile yeah. grind and it's a love affair, yeah. but it is a yeah. grind. So I, I yeah. want to go back. You, you you were born in Glen Ridge. You grew up briefly. You were in Montclair, and then your family moves to South Orange. And uh-huh. you go to Columbia High School, the local high school served by Maplewood and South Orange, and you become this star basketball player. You're an all-state player. P.J. Carlissimo on this show and in other forums has said that his recruiting of you and your agreeing to come to Seton Hall was really the, the moment that put Seton Hall on the track toward eventually going to the NCAA championship game in 1989. My question, though, is given the state of Seton Hall basketball at the time you were being recruited, what was it that attracted you to Seton Hall? And why did you say yes and then obviously no to other teams? Well, I think the what really, well, let's tell the story. Let's tell the story first, all right? My senior year in college, I mean, I mean, high school, it was like, I'm not going to Seton Hall. It's too close. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Right? So I play, you know, I, I play, and then Mike Brown, who recruited me to go to Seton Hall, will be at almost every game. He would be at every game. He was always on me, talking to me. PJ, I would see PJ a lot. And then back when I was I was younger, I was I would sneak up to Seton Hall anyway to go play basketball anyway with the college guys. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing that got me to go there, one, my family was going to be able to see me play. It was easy for them to get to the games, you know, get back and forth to the games. So that was that was one. The second one is, I felt that I knew I could play right away. You know, I, I felt that I knew I was going to play right away. This, this being the fact that I used to sneak up there and play with the guys, I said, oh, I, I think I could beat this guy out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. That's, yeah, that's what drove me to go there. But the biggest thing was my so my family could see me see me play. My mother and father, brothers and sisters could see me play. That was that was the biggest reason why I went there. And Coach Brown was 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 like on it. You know, he was on it. So I stayed close close to home. Yeah, I mean, Mike Brown, just a terrific recruiter, Seton Hall's uh, or P.J. Carlissimo's right-hand man. What a great staff that Uh P.J. had there, and they were so dedicated. Boy, they worked hours because they had to. I mean, the program, Uh when he took over, uh, was you know barely existing, if you will, in the Big East, and it took a while to get going. I wonder, I mean, you went 1-15 that first year in the Big East, only 10-18 overall, your first Uh year there. Did you ever say... I don't know. It's nice that mom and dad and everyone can come by and, and go up to the Meadowlands and see me play, and I can get home maybe for a meal here and there, but I don't know. This basketball thing just might not be working out. No. The Big East, I knew we were going to get better, and the Big East was, was, was top dog then. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The Big East was top dog. And I said, I want to play in this conference right here and get better right here. You playing against stars like Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, Walter Berry. What a, what a place to play. You know what I'm saying? You're playing in the Meadowlands. You're playing the Garden sometimes, the Big East tournament. I want to I wanna change things right here. You know, I want to change things right here at Seton Hall. And, and I felt that's what uh, I did with the help of, you know, I felt like when I when I stayed home, other people stayed home. You know, New York, New Jersey, those guys stayed home. Those guys came to Seton Hall. And then that, that helped us out. You know, we got Martin Sally, uh, John Morton, Gerald Green, Daryl Walker, Ramon Ramos. You know, we had some we had some guys, man. We had some guys that really we grew together at Seton Hall. There's no question that that group could could ball with anybody. Right. Uh, right. And, and yeah, as PJ said, you're going to Seton Hall really kicked started everything. And he was subsequently able to bring in those players that a year after you graduated went to the NCAA championship. What what was the turning point, as you recall, your four years at Seton Hall? Because just briefly, one in 15 the first year. Uh Three and thirteen the second year, four and twelve in the third year. Finally, get over five hundred overall at fifteen and fourteen, and then that next year you go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, you win a first round game before you ultimately get knocked out in the second round. But what was the turning point where you said, "I can see all this starting to happen"? Well, I, I think first of all we were we were a, a tight a tight knit group, and we worked hard. First of all, PJ demanded that we work hard. We worked hard in practice, you know. So, the, so you look forward to the to the game. <laughs> but, but I think as a core, we just got better, better. We got more confident with each other. Our offense gotten better. We got stronger, you know. And um, we just, we just, we just. I think the biggest thing is just we were just together, like we was a family. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. Team guys don't really understand that when you have a good core group and you grow together, I think you win games. And we worked hard. They all the coach, all the coaches demanded that we worked hard. You know, Joe, we got stronger. Like uh, my senior year, I could depend on Daryl Walker. I could depend on uh, uh, Ramon Ramos. I could depend on Gerald Green. We all could depend on one another. And then PJ was going to put us together, put the pieces together, so we uh, were successful at winning some games. I was chuckling a little bit when you said the coaches worked you hard and the games were almost a relief because anyone I speak to on that team or from that era, mm-hmm. they, they talk about how hard PJ could be on mm-hmm. you. But in the end, everyone respects the fact that he made you a better player. But I, I'm just chuckling because it's a universal theme. Coach, yes. coach drove you guys hard. All right, I want to talk about a game, and he called it the best game in his, at that time, six years at the helm of Seton Hall. And that was the night in February of your senior year that you defeated Pittsburgh at the Meadowlands, and you had a monstrous night, 32 points and 16 rebounds. What do you remember from that night? <laughs> you know, when, when I... When I went against uh, uh, Charles Smith, I just took it personal. I I, I really did take it personal because they always ranked him above me. 
and I really took it personal to go against him. Every time I went against him, like I took it personal. And I think that's what drove me uh, to go, you know, just to go at him. Even when, even when I was in high school, you know, people had him above me. I just always, I just like, hey, every time I play this guy, I'm going at it. I'm going at him. I'm going at his neck every single time. And I think that's what drove me uh, to play that way. Well, it was a huge game because Seton Hall was making its mark at that point. It was an improved team, but there was still some doubts whether or not an NCAA bid would come. And I don't know that that sealed it, but that close to the end of the regular season, it certainly went a long way as long as the team finished the deal, if you know what I mean. Was that, do you think that was your best game at Seton Hall? Nope. I think, uh, I remember we played uh, Villanova and I had, I had 38 points. And, uh, before the game, Massimino was saying said something like, "Well, shoot, they only got they only got Mark Mark Bryan on the team. Something something to that effect." And I said, like, oh, "Okay, okay, let's 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 go, let's go." I remember he said something to that. Well, only thing only only thing they got is Mark Bryan, but that wasn't true. You know, I had I had we had all these pieces around us that we were forming together as a unit. And um, that that was another game. I was like, you know what? I'm going at these guys. I'm going at these guys. I feel that's probably was one of my my better games my se- my senior year. Uh, it sounds like the coaches and players in the league should have realized don't don't poke the bear, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't give him any reason to come yeah. any harder than he was going to anyway. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember one time like we were getting ready to play. We were getting ready to play uh, uh, Pittsburgh, University of Pitt, right? And we were practicing. And I don't know what I was doing wrong. PJ was riding me. Yeah. Can I curse? Can I? Can I curse on this? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> That's why it's called Smith is going to bust your ass. I said, <laughs> oh, okay. I said, okay, okay. So we went up there, and I had another monster game up there. I said, PJ, you know, always, 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 uh, always, uh, what did I say? Always, uh, go with double O. Always go something to that effect. Always, you said, oh, I was just pushing you. <laughs> I was just pushing you. But, uh, yeah, just it's just like stuff like that can take your game to another to another level. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Somebody says something, or or a player says something to you, it takes your game to another level. Well, isn't that, isn't that what competitors do though, man? Like you you guys, I say this all the time. People don't realize the level of compete that the best athletes have. I mean, listen, you had a long 15 year NBA career. Uh, Like you have to bring it every day. And we think that we know what compete is and it's just, it's just, it's just another level, man. So even if you get a little push. It's taking you yeah. like to X. You're going from my normal level to X. Like, yeah, right. that's it, man. It's 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 unbelievable. By the way, when when I gave you permission, quote unquote, to to drop a curse word when you, when it was PJ, I wasn't sure which one I was going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, but you know what, man? You know what? I look back at it, and you know, PJ was tough, but he really. Uh, set me up for the NBA. I, I, like he really set me up for the NBA. 
as far as conditioning wise, and, uh, being strong mentally, you know, because you really have to be strong mentally in the NBA game. If you're not strong mentally, then you, you, you won't you won't make it. You won't make it. So yeah. I think he really prepared me for for my future years going into the NBA because I had a rough couple of years. My first couple of years was rough, and I'm sure if it didn't, if PJ didn't push me the way he did, I might not have made it. And I say all these things respect respectfully uh, of PJ because he's been a long friend, and but uh, he he just is hard. But everyone loves him for what he's done. Yeah. You 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 played for him at Seton Hall. You played for him in the NBA, and you coached with him uh, early in your coaching career. You were an assistant with him. What are the mm-hmm. what are the differences there? The three differences: playing in college, playing in the NBA, and then being an assistant to him. Well, I think in, in college, you know, it's different back there in, in, in college how you can push push your your, your kids or your your players. All right, <laughs> it's, it's different from college to pro. He, you know, you have to figure out different ways how to push guys in the pro because most of the time the pro guys are probably making more money than you anyway. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was, it was different. You know, he was still fiery, but you know there was different ways you had to come out, come at guys in the NBA. You know, uh, as far as coaching wise, you know he was very detailed on what he wanted. You know, and he just—it's funny because uh, you know I just got into coaching, and uh, and uh, I got on his staff, and he said, "Okay, Double O, you're gonna be breaking down games." I said, "Breaking down games, like I." I, you know, I played the games, but I never really, you know, really broke the games down. You know what I mean? To 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 present in front of the in front of the uh, the players, in front of the team. So it was it was it was, uh, it was it was different. But you know, he helped me out. You know, quite a bit. I had a couple other, you know, coaches that helped me out quite a bit. But he was still intense. No matter what matter, coaching me in college, pro, and being my uh, uh, being the head coach, working under him as being an assistant. He was still intense, you know, but you just had to do it in different type of ways as far as in, in the NBA is concerned. We talked about how busy your life is with what you do as an assistant with the Phoenix Suns. So I'm wondering, though, do you still have a time to stay in contact, excuse me, contact with some of your former teammates at Seton Hall? I think I think one, uh, well, actually, you know, I, I, I talked to Gerald Green, you know, uh, a little bit. I talked to Michael Cooper a little bit. But I think the person that I stay in most contact with is Daryl Walker, aka Drupalone. I call him Drup Drupalone. <laughs> but uh, that's like the, that's Deputy Drupalone, like that. Yeah, back yes, in the day, yes, we're, we're yes, kind of yes. you're a little younger than I am, but that resonates with me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but me, 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 and him, uh, you know, we we talk a lot. He comes to see me. He comes to see me sometimes. He came out to OKC. Brought his son out there. Every time I go back. Every time I go back to uh, New York, I we usually uh, go out, you know, watch a couple of games, or you know. So I usually, you know, stay in contact with him probably the most. What's he up to? Uh, he's working. He's working at a school. He runs a school uh, uh, out in New York. You know, he runs a school out in New York. So he's doing all right. He's doing good. That's good. That's good to hear. Uh, I know. Uh, I, I promised I would keep this around twenty minutes or so. I don't want to take too much more of your time. So I'll ask you just a few last questions. And then, uh-huh. and then we'll move on. What was it like to be a member of that NCAA team? Finally, breakthrough. Finally, have success. You come to Seton Hall, wanting to 
lead them out of the wilderness and you, along with your mates, listen, it was a good team, obviously. We talked about some of the players. What was that moment like when you heard you were going to the big dance and then you win that first game? Right. I, I, I think that was, that was a great accomplishment for us. You know, being that we were there, some guys three, some guys myself being there for four years, that was a great accomplishment for us. We were looking forward to it. We were hyped about it. And then we went to uh, we went to L.A. We were practicing hard. It just was a great uh, accomplishment, you know, from, from what was it, 1 in 15 my first year to, what, 4 or whatever my, my second year. And just constantly, we just constantly kept growing, growing, getting better and getting better. And then just to make it, you know, to the NCAAs, you know, for the for, I think it was for the first time. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that was that was an unbelievable accomplishment. You know, I definitely wanted to go further, but you know, Arizona, mm. you know, you know, took us out. I remember getting in foul trouble in like three minutes of the, into the game. And I remember getting into foul trouble, and I felt so bad for the guys because we made it so far. I got into foul trouble, but I never really could get into a rhythm. And I felt bad, and I knew it was my last game. I think that that game hurt, hurt. But it, I don't know. I don't know which game hurt more. I don't know if that Big East tournament. Uh, I think we lost to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. In the Big East tournament and the Beast that that hurt. You know yeah, that I, hurt because. Well, yeah, you know, that's just such a big rival, right? And, right. And they all right. and they always came out on the right side. It seems. Right, right, right. I mean, I was like, man, I wanted that game so bad. And I knew that was my last game in the garden with these guys. You know what I'm saying? That hurt. That hurt. But, you know, uh, you know, taking them out, we all went out to, you know, California. We, I thought we all did a great job. Looking, looking forward to it. And I knew that. I knew that team. When I left that team, that team was going to be a good team. I knew that team was going to be because they because they were they were together for four years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They were together. They was there for four years, and they got a bum call up in Michigan. I mean, up in Seattle against Michigan. I was at that game. That was the terriblest call out. And uh, I don't know, boy. I just I, I just felt that I was it was a it was a great accomplishment great accomplishment for the guys going to the NCAAs. It was, and, and every Seton Hall Pirate fan listening to your pain describing that foul relives it. Mm-hmm. And I know PJ was very generous in saying John Cloggerty was a great college basketball co- uh, official, and and he was, but, uh, oh, man. That was a terrible come call. On, come on, man, let's be man, honest. That was a terrible call. <laughs> let's, call it, terrible. let's call it as it is. Bad yeah, call. Man. And then yeah. Ramil Robinson, who never made a free throw in the NBA, he <laughs> nails both of them. Are you kidding me? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hey, last two, last two questions. Uh, one about your current status, and then I want to end it with reflecting on Seton Hall and your time there. You've been a longtime assistant coach. Any dreams of being a head coach in the NBA? I would, you know, I would love to be a, be a, a head coach in the NBA. I think my time. It will come. Um, I just have to be patient and get myself prepared to take that step. You know, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of people say I've, I've talked to. He said, 
you're never ready to take you're never ready to be a head coach but when you get in that's when you learn a lot more mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that's when you learn a lot more so i'm trying to you know i try to take pieces from every coach that i i work with and then hopefully i will get it will get a chance to coach my own team and and obviously the work you've done with big men speaks for itself, including yeah. uh, your current student, uh, DeAndre Ayton, and Kendrick Perkins lauded your work with him. And then it was seconded by Kevin Durant. So those are pretty good guys to have on your side, seconding <laughs> yes, the work that you're doing. And we yes. wish you the best of luck in that. So finally, reflecting on your time at Seton Hall, what did mm-hmm. it mean to you? And what does it mean to you today? I think it was, that was like the best one of the four best basketball years of my life. You know, just the being around, you know, the different players that I just named and grown uh, as a man and uh, learning from PJ, learning from Mike, Mike Brown, John Carroll, you know, all these guys, you know, helped me become the man that I am today. Uh, Seton Hall was a small campus. I think we just blew it up. Once we got better, uh, you know, I just will never forget those days at Seton Hall being a pirate. I love my, I love my days at Seton Hall. Sometimes I don't understand why these guys leave college early, but I understand what that, why they're leaving it. But that was the best years of my life playing at Seton Hall. Seton Hall was the best years of my life. And it surprised me that, and it was right down the street from where I live that I went there, but I wouldn't change a thing. Hometown fella makes good. It's a wonderful story and no better way to end this interview than on that note. Mark Bryant, thank you so very, very much for your time. I did take a little bit more than maybe you thought, but the stories were so good. We were having some fun. Continued success with the Phoenix Suns. And someday we do hope that they'll be introducing you after the lineup and the head coach of the Mark Bryant, whatever team that might be. (laughs) Thank you very much. Appreciate you, man. Let's go Pirates, man. Let's get it going. Let's get it popping. Once a Pirate, always a Pirate. Mark Bryant, a member of the Seton Hall Athletic Hall of Fame and the recruit who helped put Seton Hall back on the map. Thanks to Mark for his generosity in sharing his time and his story. Since recording the interview, the Suns tacked on another win. They've now won three straight and have the best record in the NBA. Pirates Talk is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Thanks to Jake Lorenz and Isaac Gonzalez for their recent thumbs up on SoundCloud. I invite you to rate the show, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always to Pat Christensen, the sound engineer of the program and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. I'm Matt Lachlan. Until next time, be safe, Be well. Merry Christmas, everyone, and let's go Pirates.